Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be discussing why you have more power over your health than your doctor does. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Dr. Donna Chaco. Donna has practiced medicine for nearly 40 years. She founded a ministry called Serenity and Health, and she is the author of the award-winning, best-selling book, Pilgrimage, A Doctor's Healing Journey. You can reach Dr. Donna at her website, serenityandhealth.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Donna. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Well, I'm really, really happy to be here, Linda. Oh, thank you. I am so excited to hear your story, how you changed from practicing medicine and doing what you did very well for so long, and then having an aha moment or some kind of change that that altered your direction. And so I am excited to hear what that's all about. All right. Well, my aha moment was more an aha lingering process that took a little while, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but where do you want me to start? Many years here. (laughs) It is many years. So that the little tidbits that you gave me were Uh that you had a desperate marriage, surrendering to God and a too busy medical career. So, so we're starting from a place of you're doing what you're doing. You're doing your best to help other people. Maybe it doesn't feel quite right, or there's something going on that's deeper. Where do you want to begin about there? Maybe. All right. All right. So for the listeners, so I, I practiced medicine. I was very busy. I was raising a family. I was always in a hurry. I had learned that the most important thing in life really is to, to use your time. And we learned how to work, my brothers and I, you know, and, um, but I was increasingly unhappy in my marriage and of, I eventually learned that the other thing I had taken from childhood was, uh, an inability to really speak forth my truth. If there was any chance of confrontation or conflict, I just, I had troubles in that regard. And so that in retrospect, was a, a real factor over the years in the marriage because, you know, you, you just bottle up and then pretty soon you burst forth. And so anyway, I had drifted from my faith, my childhood faith, because I was just so busy. And, I, I, you know, our home wasn't very happy with all of this going on and eventually re- really reached a very uh, difficult situation. And I, I didn't know how I could stay married. I was so worried about our children in that dysfunctional environment. And uh, that's when I finally turned back to God. That's when I reached the, the the change point of my life. And I realized I couldn't fix this. You know, I didn't realize I need fixing. I couldn't change my husband. I really didn't want to get a divorce. I kind of realized even if I did get a divorce, we would still be raising our children. I just, I was really in a stuck position. And so, like they say in the 12 steps, you know, I turned to God. I surrendered to uh, to what they call in the 12 steps, you know, their higher power. And the, after a challenging, challenging period, uh, determined, discerned that God wanted me to stay married. And that was my change point. So I decided I would stay married and um, things did get more peaceful in our home. Uh, except that in, within a few years, we had a series of medical emergency, uh, medical illnesses with the girls and with my husband. Mm. And by several years after this change point, he had leukemia and then he died. So that's where I was then. Fortunately, 
for me personally, by that time, I, I was spending a lot more time trying to understand who God was and trying to um, have an adult faith, not just this leftover faith from growing up, you know. And uh, I, I just started to learn a lot more about um, how much relationships and uh, can contribute to suffering and, and feeling crummy, you know. Anyway, that that was one huge, major part of my life. Uh, And then after that, it changed some more. Wow. Okay. So as I'm going to try to unpack a little bit of what is going on here, there are some things that I, that I'm picking up. One is, is that, you know, here you are, you're a doctor, you're a person that most people perceive as the one who solves everybody's problems. They are the one in authority. They're the one who can speak. And inside you're feeling like I am not allowed to speak my truth. And maybe you felt different at work than you did at home, but still it's that, that, that silencing that I'm not allowed to share what I'm really feeling. And I also thought it was interesting as you're talking about trying to surrender to God and trying to feel that, that some of the the thoughts you had, it, it didn't solve all of your problems. It didn't make everything go away. And the answer of working on relationships and working on your marriage, I really appreciate that you said that things got better. I think some people feel like when they're in a relationship that is not satisfying, it's not comfortable, it is dysfunctional, that the choices are to continue in this place of dysfunction or to leave. And they don't recognize that there is another option, and that is to stay and allow and create things to get better. And it sounds like you you worked in that direction. Yes, and it's such a tricky, tricky subject. No, as the years pass and I look back on our marriage, I understood so much more my contribution. Yes, but I also understood that 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 that, that there was probably emotional abuse going on. So I don't, I don't think the answer. God doesn't want people to stay in an abusive situation, Mm-mm. and um, I'll never know if I did the right thing. But I felt that I listened to God and did the right thing. And then you see how it turned out. So, you know, how can you figure God's ways? I don't know. And, but from that marriage and from everything that I went through and from turning to God, it was really the start of a lot of personal growth so that I kind of came to understand myself better. And, and some of the things from childhood that really drove me. Um, I, I know you're very aware of trauma and childhood trauma and all of the things. Well, you know, my, we had d- really good parents. They loved us, but they, and they worked really hard. And um, the, if, when I took my ACE score, which is the, and I know, you know, I don't know if many people may yes, not know. Please it. explain the adverse yeah. childhood events. It's the, it's the adverse childhood experience. Oh, experience. And you can take the test and evaluate, based on your memory, your score of childhood abuse, neglect, trauma. The th- and it's, it's just a guide, but it has been shown that folks who have high A scores have more difficulties in life, more illnesses, more behavioral issues, more uh, addictions. It's those early things, you know, they, they they're imprinted in the brain. Well, I look at myself 
I had so many advantages. You know, we were middle-class family, but very stable. My parents were in the same marriage. We never even changed houses. We, you know, the same friends and neighbors for all those years. But they were like, like I was. They were imperfect parents. And I misinterpreted also. I just had a little kid's brain, right? Who knows what we take from what our parents. But the bottom line was I learned some things that weren't so good for me. I learned somehow that you had to work and then it would be bad to step back from that. And I learned about this difficulty expressing myself uh, forthrightly. And, you know, what? how did I get that? I don't know. Did my parents just want me to be polite and I took it to an extreme? I mean, it's not like I'm a wimp. I, I, I mean, I worked as a professional. I know how to speak, but there were just some things, you know, I... I don't know. So anyways, it took me decades to look back uh, because after the marriage, after moving ahead, I eventually, you know, even went into therapy to try and figure this all out, how I didn't understand. and, And I came to understand a little bit more about myself. And it's really helped. I'm glad that you were able to figure that out. And isn't it interesting that as we grow up, And we create these stories that is our very, very best understanding as a child. And then we carry that throughout our entire life. And if we don't stop and look back at where did that come from? And is this right? We can stay stuck in patterns that don't serve us. And like you, I grew up with wonderful parents who did the very best they could. And they are also mortals and they made mistakes. And some of the stories that I picked up from my very best understanding as a six-year-old little girl to explain what was going on was, I am inherently flawed. I am unlovable. I am invisible. And I don't matter. And I kept to that story. And I made my life fit that story until many, many years later of realizing, where did that come from? And is this, is what happened and what I interpreted from what happened, did that really match? Or is there a better solution, a better explanation? And so for those who are listening, I invite you to go take a look at some of your deep core beliefs and see if you can figure out where they came from. And then maybe it's time to make some course corrections. So some of the things that you came up with, like you said, it might be, let's be polite. Don't, don't fight. Don't argue. And so that means don't speak, or maybe that's the way you interpreted it. And then you talked about working really, really hard. So how did that manifest in your life? And then how did you decide that maybe there was a better way? Because for a lot of people, they think, man, having a great work ethic, that's fantastic. Oh, well, see, that's the thing. The work, that's why it was challenging and why I never understood for decades, because there are many rewards from working hard. You know, I had a successful career. I made money. I had respect. We had the big home. I was the doctor, you know? And um, you, it, I think it's very possible to just keep churning away, churning away. And uh, unless you have a crisis or you really work at it or the key, which I never, never did was to slow down and, and have prayer time, quiet time, reflection time, silence. I never, ever, uh, 
went deeper to when I was going through the miserable years, I, I didn't understand. And I just, I wasn't there. I, I had no grasp on it. And I, I, I really do look back and I look at young, busy mothers who are working in similar circumstances. And I think, you know, how could they avoid getting in some pattern and just go, you know, when you're so busy, it's hard to solve these problems. It just seems like you're barely staying afloat. Right. But somehow I think it's just imperative. I I should have taken some time, just selfish time for me and time for God. And I never did that. And would, would I have, like if early in my marriage, I had uh, just told my husband, well, that's a really good idea, but I can't do it that way for these reasons, you know, but uh, our relationship, it might not have gotten to such a sorry state. You know, I, uh, he asked me to marry him six weeks after I met him and I had oh. just finished my sophomore year in college. And I said, yes. And, um, we waited a, f- a number of months after that to get married, but I, I, part of me wanted to wait. Part of me wanted to say, I think I love you, but let's wait a year. But I, I, I thought I'd lose him or that's the other thing. They was insecure, uh, as a woman, as a girl, I didn't want to lose him. You know, this, I don't know. Isn't that interesting? And you didn't have at that point in your life, the courage to say no. And as you see these other moms and people who are busy and you can see some of the, the reasons why they would do what they do and also some of the potential problems from keeping busy, busy, busy. And right. I thought it was interesting that you used the word selfish time for me. And it sounds to me a little bit like you're still unsure how you feel about spending well. time that was for selfish. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you <laughs> needed selfish. air quotes, huh? Yeah, yeah, air quotes. But you're right in that I still really have to work against these tendencies. You're right. It, it, I understand more. I, but now I'm retired, right? And in fact, um, last week, twice, lady friends went to the movies in the neighborhood, and I was not able to go. Two different outings because I had a conflict with something scheduled like this, right? And I was thinking like, hmm, am I doing the right thing? I'm, <laughs> uh, it makes me rethink again to just want to make sure I'm balancing right. I don't want to go to my grave thinking I never fully, fully backed away from um, working and things important to me. But, you know, I, I'm so committed to my message and I love it. And unfortunately my children don't live near me. So I don't have my grandkids right close by to dote on. So it's, it's wonderful. I feel grateful to have um, something to do, but I have to continually work at the balance. Excellent. Excellent. So it's not about stopping and not doing anything. You want to be fulfilled and doing things that matter to you. And isn't it wonderful that we have a variety of things that matter to us and can bring fulfillment, like that time with family and time with friends, and also promoting a cause, something that you care about. So I would love to hear kind of what is your message? What is it that you put forth in your book? And and how do we have more power over our health than, say, our doctor does? Okay. After my first husband died, I 
retrained in family medicine. So then I learned, I was a radiation oncologist initially, then I became a family medicine doctor. And then I worked in Washington, D.C. with uh, immigrants and homeless people. And by the time I did all of that, I had seen parts of life and my eyes were opened to health in a, a much broader dimension. And I could see how health was just devastated by poverty and injustice and bad habits and trauma and bad relationships, like in my own experience. And by this time, my faith journey was moving along and I, I felt much closer to my Lord and I had a prayer life. And it dawned on me like, wow, my whole life journey and the health journey can just be based on this foundation of health. So I, I started a program called Serenity and Health to talk about that, how we can achieve abundant health of body, mind, and spirit by cherishing our, our bodies, our health, taking care of them, learning about healthy habits, learning about stress reduction, learning about mindfulness, because so much of what I saw, not not just working, but also uh, in in my programs with serenity and health is that people are just uh, stressed and life is challenging and they're too busy and the brain is going, 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 going. And so all of these things can be, um, and, and relationships, learning to communicate in a healthy, honest way with with boundaries and all, all of this stuff can be pulled together as part of a faith journey, like with Christian mindfulness, with praying during the day, you know, I, what did I, I meant to say Christian meditation and then with praying during the day, which is almost like a, if you have a prayer word during the day, which I describe can be like a, a mindfulness uh, practice and, uh, the whole sense of community and shared mission. And if I'm stuck, I try and do the will of God. And then I know if I'm trying, at least if I, if I give God some time and some priority in my life, then hopefully I am doing his will and that's being the best that I can be. And then if I mess up or if catastrophe happens, which it does, you know, I have somewhere to turn anyway and can learn to trust and surrender to our Lord. And I, I think that trusting God is like the best stress buster there is available. So that's how, that's what I talk about. And so there's no one step that people should take. I don't think everyone has their own faith journey, but um, since health of body, mind, and spirit are all wound up together, you can do anything you want. Maybe you want to be an artist. Maybe you want to become a, a daily walker and eventually a marathon person. Maybe you're going to learn and practice uh, Christian meditation uh, or study the Bible or become a social activist for and take care of the poor. You know, all, no matter what you do, it's all going to make you as a person better and closer to God. And, and I do believe happier. So that's what I try to do. And that's what I talk about. For And it, I think it works for most people, if they believe in a God or a higher power, I mean, I'm a Christian, so that's my path, but people have their own paths, and I fully respect that. That is lovely. And as I'm listening to your message, it is uh, resonating some of the other messages and things that I have heard. Like for your talk about stress, 
and how we need to kind of calm down. Um, Dr. Lisa Rankin wrote a book about mind over medicine that I just love, where she talked about very much that concept. And I had another guest not too long ago who talked about the concepts of we have our physical health and our mental and our emotional and our spiritual. And she said, you know, if we focus on our spiritual health and really get that into balance, it's amazing that everything else kind of takes care of itself. Kind of that's that's the base. That's the core. We can start anywhere, wherever, wherever anyone is ready and willing to listen. You can improve your health by eating good, eating good foods and, and drinking clean water and we can improve our health by doing these mindfulness practices and working on the, the mental and the emotional side. And we can address those childhood issues. All of these things help and they balance. And I love how you've put it in the framework of, once again, if we take care of that spiritual aspect, then without even maybe consciously taking care of the other things, they seem to diminish. Yes, Yes. I, I wanted to mention two things about having more power over your health than your doctor. You know, in our healthcare system, office visits are limited. And um, it's a fact that like in a primary care office, of the folks that come in there, the various problems they have, I mean, probably three quarters are in some way connected to health, either caused by, I mean, connected to stress, either caused by stress or aggravated by stress. You know, the headache, the backache, the gastritis, uh, the fatigue, the insomnia, the anxiety, all of that. And there are things that, that work to reduce stress if, if one takes the steps to do them. And, and they're not things a doctor can solve. And you don't cer- certainly want to take a pill for each time you have one of these, um, which is a, often the reflex for these problems. And then the other thing that's just so dramatic and kind of always on my mind is the, the power of our actual um, health habits of eating, exercise, and smoking uh, basically contribute or cause something like three-quarters of all chronic illness. Oh, really? So if we improved those habits the impact on our health is way beyond what, what we tend to think about. It, it's quite dramatic. Now, it's, I, I'm not saying that's easy. Those are very challenging, uh, long ingrained patterns, you know, to change. But even just a little step in the right direction will make you feel better and will help. And, um, you know, one can learn about action plans and setting appropriate small steps to to reach your ultimate goal and um with doing it with a group is wonderful so anyway that's why i make that point that you have more power over your health than your doctor does it doesn't always hold obviously if you have uh, cancer you have major illness we need we need our health care providers thank god they can do what they do but we can do a whole lot to um improve the process. And isn't that empowering? And for some people, they really appreciate having that, that power over themselves. Yes. And for other people, they think, oh no, that's stressful. I don't want that. I want someone else to make the decision for me. And it has to come with building up ourselves. I recently spoke with a man who was working in a, in a, a, a medical facility 
And he said they were creating this wonderful model where the, the client is the center of the wheel of this hub. And then the doctors and the dentists and the psychologists and all these, these are the spokes that go around and they're all there to help you and you're in charge of yourself. And then he found that in some people it worked really well and on others, they did not have the skill set to be able to handle that. And so he said, hmm, I think maybe my mission is to help people build up that skill set so that they can be in charge of their own lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a process. It's a process. And, it, and, and again, there's a balance there. Um, I recently have been, been in, aware of two family connections with um, complicated cancer cases mm. with way too many opinions and different recommendations then the poor individual with with the illness is just like stuck and so again it's a balance because you do need direction but i i like that approach that you know we 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 are stewards of our bodies that's how i like to you know they use the language we're stewards of our gifts and talents we're stewards of our bodies we all we're given it it's a gift to cherish and do our very best to take care of and you know if we do that we're the ones that benefit we're the ones that can have energy and can still walk when we're 80 hopefully or 90 or more so yes stay out of the hospital who wants to go in the hospital and have to check your sugar all the time and if you have a, a lot of people have no choice these things happen but it's just to say we, we can often make an impact. We can. We can often make an impact. And it's lovely that you're sharing this message and saying you have power over yourself. And here are some suggestions to help you be able to reduce that stress, which is going to reduce a lot of the problems. And then here are some things that you can do to help feel fulfilled. And those things are, are very helpful. So thank you for sharing that. Is there anything that you want to make sure that we cover today before we close? No, just that um, for each person, the road is different. Take time for yourself, for quiet, for prayer. I, I, uh, I think without that, it's kind of hard to know how to proceed, not to do it alone. Have a, a partner, a close friend, an intimate, a group, a community, something we're not meant to live our lives and um, figure out our our life journeys alone. And uh, I think those are two really important messages to take home. Yes, they are. And that's part of why we're talking here today, to let people know that there is a, a support system that you can hear some new ideas and some new voices. So thank you, Donna, for sharing today. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm very happy to have joined you. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by B.K.S. Iyengar. He said, Health is a state of complete harmony of the body, mind, and spirit. When one is free from physical disabilities and mental distractions, the gates of the soul open. Today, I invite you to enjoy better health by bringing your body, mind, and spirit into harmony. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.